Greetings! This is Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by the leavened bread-free Stephanie Butnick. I'm hungry. <laughs> and her partner in Famate's Eschewel, Liel Leibowitz. Happy fourth of the Omer to you. Happy fourth day of the Omer. Our guests this week are Bridge Maven and author Betsy Lerner, author of The Bridge Ladies, and our guest Gentile, Nia Malika Henderson of CNN. Um, our guest Gentile was almost Dylan Skarsgård, whom I saw this morning at Culture Coffee on 38th Street. I walked right in. They were filming something, and as a result, the line took an extra long time, and they gave us free coffees and stuff because they kept stopping the espresso machine. And, and you, of course, said, hey, it's that guy from that movie. And I was like, it's the, right, it's the Euro trash guy from the thing with the guy <laughs> in the place. I had no idea who he was. So I sit down, and what I later realized was a section for the extras who are supposed to be casually sipping coffee and checking their iPhones. Since that's what I was doing, I think I just insinuated myself among them and will be in the movie that I learned through Google is called Return to Montauk. Directed by? Directed by the wonderfully named Eurotrash German auteur, Volker Schlandorf. So if you're a Volker Schlandorf fan, look for me in the scene, in the coffee shop, in the place with the guy. You know, on Sunday, we were walking down Central Park West, uh, and we I, I saw this guy getting out of a car and walking into a building. And I was like, that's a really handsome man. And then I stopped and thought, Hey, what a, that's that's Bruce Willis. <laughs> and I you know, I've never done this before, but my wife and I are, you know, fans. Uh yeah. she she even <laughs> even, she even of, more sexually aroused than me. Even of the bald we late, late Oh, especially. We stopped and gawked at this man. First of all, he was loading his own car, which I just thought was the most Baller. amazing thing yeah. in the world. It was yeah. like a Subaru Outback. It was like a cool normal person yeah. car and like wearing a tight gray t-shirt. Bruce Willis Man, yippee motherfucker. You got it. So you got Bruce Willis. I got Stellan Skarsgård. Who, who brings his own his own machismo? Stephan, Stephanie? <laughs> I recently saw Allison Williams at dinner, and That's... I sat right next to her, and I was like, all right. And then I went home and watched the girls episode that was all about her, and I felt like I like had some sort of experience with her. You, you've had an Allison Williams yeah, moment. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you think you and she would be friends? I just found out she's younger than I am, which makes me just like feel uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, wow, you are wildly successful. Oh, my God, it's going to happen to you. People are going to start being younger than you. It's amazing how many people will be younger than you. It's so great. Little news from my home front. So you guys remember Bodie McBoatface? Of course. Right? This was the English boat that they they put it to a a plebiscite, what they were going to name it, and the English people voted. It's a geological survey boat, is that right? Mm -hmm. They want to name it Bodie McBoatface, but then the English Geological Service, forgetting that the Brits are supposed to have whimsy and and fun, refused to name it that because so, it was scottish is that was, is that <laughs> why boat face face um so my brother and sister-in-law have been very active down in austin texas at getting their children's elementary school which is robert e lee elementary renamed and in fact they've they've won the first part of the battle which and this has made national news which is they're they're changing the name it's not gonna be robert e lee elementary school anymore but then Somebody had the terrible idea of taking suggestions on the internet. Oh, of course. So, now it's the Mr. T so, elementary school. So the suggestions are like <laughs> Adolf Hitler Academy for Young Friends. And no. But then the best is, and I really wish they would go with this, is Schoolie McSchoolface. <laughs> Just be... Kids would actually want to go there. Kids oh would want to yeah. go to that school. Could you school. imagine if you're a kid, hey, let's go to Schoolie McSchoolface. Schoolie McSchoolface. And they're probably going to end up naming it like Ann Richards Elementary or something. Yeah. Um, any news from your home front, Liel? Any news from the Seder, you mean? Yeah. How was... I don't think my guests had a very good time. 
Did you, did know, you were you the leader? I, I was the leader, and and you know maybe I'm just like my mother. You know she's never satisfied. Um, I, I I have this theory about dinners. If you come over for 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 like takeout. You could do whatever you want. You could be on your phone. You could pay zero attention. If I Shoes make, off, say, feet right, up. Yeah. 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 If I make roast chicken, I expect like a little bit more conversation. If I'm serving you a fucking seven-course meal, I expect With some, shank bones. some Jane Austen level, <laughs> you know, manners and, and like reciprocity of behavior. I think this entire art is lost. I don't think we know how to do like conversation anymore as people. I don't think we know how to do dinner well, but parties. But the thing about Seder and, is and the I conversation was, is sort of spelled out for you. It's like Well, for 30 minutes. Right. Then there's still like four hours of, hey, how you doing? There was talk of hernias and trusses and doctor's appointments. Oh, there was, there was normal, this normal dinner, uh, dinner table conversation, but I wasn't having any of it. I expected. What did you want? Wit and whimsy. You I feel wanted... like you can't do the four glasses of wine and expect no. <laughs> like a real whimsy. And expect anything. Or maybe that's exactly when you would expect how's, it. How's your, how's your Passover? My, I did two Passovers, one with the Butniks, one with the Coens. Um, they were both really great. Um, I, made, I made sure to do like when I was, both families, it turns out like goes around the room and sort of like picks on someone for a different part. My dad has, <laughs> actually has it written in his Haggadah and it's like he was naming people that weren't there. It was like very funny. I made, to do, made sure to do like him or her whenever I read and just to like see how mad it would make people. And I had, then I got to do one of the four sons. Do you have the cranky old uncle? Like, what do you mean her? No, 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 no. But I just thought it was funny. What do you mean women? One time I said him or her hashtag the patriarchy. And that was actually like a pretty big hit the first night. We actually had a lovely Seder in that my kids and their, of course you did. And, you have, there was like fall foliage. You have little women and you live in New Haven. Of course you I did. Do. But their cousins, Hannah and Margalit from the Upper West Side came in and Hannah and Margalit are, are... they like their city cousins? Yeah, they're like the city cousins and they're um, uh, 10 and 8. And what was great was so we had this whole phalanx of, of girls who were all... The, the big drama was fighting over who got to ask which question and who got to be the wicked child and who got to... And, and they basically, they ran the whole Seder to the point where Sid actually moved me along at one point and said, we have to shut them up. The adults want to eat. Which, I mean, I was, that was a moment of tension because the kids were actually asking profound questions. Ellie was referring to God as she and then saying that, that Ellie was saying, but, but I hate God because God, God's killing all these people unnecessarily and what kind of God, so there's obviously no God. And then the other cousins are fighting back and Rebecca's fighting and, and eventually Sid was like, we gotta, we gotta eat, move it along. The adults Enough need to eat. Enough with the theological existential and I'm like, questions. We actually have young children asking theological questions. Maybe we want to linger. Plus really reenacting the whole Haggadah story, which is yeah. a bunch of rabbis just <laughs> asking these little minutia. On the downside, we are trying to keep vegetarian and kosher for Passover. So a little news of the Jews keeping with the matzah theme, newspapers carried pictures of the condo building that will go up on the site of the old Streitz matzah factory on Rivington on the Lower East Side. The factory is moving to Rockland County. The condo building going up in its place will have 13,000 square feet of retail and will, of course, be surrounded in glass. Developers are going to decorate the lobby with memorabilia from the original building and other salvaged <laughs> objects will be housed in a museum so at the new Streitz factory in Rockland County, New York. So the first floor is going to have little like crumbs, crumbs, <laughs> and it's going to have, we can see it, right? It'll have framed. Yeah. Like really nice frames of big black and white pictures. Right. Black and white pictures of old Jews with matzah or of the different designs that have gone on the packaging now, over the Now, will there be like a Shamura version of that building going up <laughs> next door? Because that'd be super funny. If Chabad wanted to buy the whatever the One of the elevators is round. Yeah. Uh, in other news of the Jews, at Harvard Law School last week, former Israeli cabinet minister Zippy Livni, what was she? She was minister of defense or war? 
or she was minister. You don't even remember, of, do you? Of many things. She well, ministered you know, many these, things. These, these people get around. She was doing an event with U.S. diplomat Dennis Ross, and a third-year student in the audience got up and said, "Quote: My question is for Tippy Livney. How is it that you are so smelly?" Unquote. Uh, students and the dean Martha Minow later condemned the question as anti-Semitic, and the student later issued an apology, which reads, and this is the best part, I think we can all agree, is the non-apology apology, or shall I say the clueless apology apology. He writes, I am writing to apologize as sincerely as I can via this limited form of communication to anyone who may have felt offended by the comments I made last week. To be very clear, as there seems to be some confusion, I would never, ever call anyone under any circumstances a smelly Jew. Unquote. Uh, It goes on. So... Wait, he was just calling her smelly. He was calling her smelly, but he wasn't saying you smelly Jew. He was just at an event with an Israeli cabinet minister saying, why do you smell so much? So if you just leave off the Jew part, you're not actually you're actually not calling someone a smelly Jew. You're just saying, why do you smell and control the media and hoard money and murder innocent babies? I see. I didn't know about the whole smelly Jew thing. Like, I didn't realize that was is that a stereotype that Jews are smelly? <laughs> this is well, you learn something new every day. He didn't know this either, apparently. Um. Well, isn't everything a stereotype? But like, was he actually trying to get at some sort of like Israel critique via? Here's the one interesting wrinkle in this, Liel. Before you have it, campus culture and (laughs) and (laughs) uh, one yeah, like this basically was made for you. He actually apparently was at some event with some Palestinian he didn't like, whom he called a smelly Palestinian last year. So he's like this an equal opportunity according, according to five expert. Jewish students who rushed to his defense. Right. According verified to fi- by no one else but his ideological partner. Here's my question, which is he initially wasn't identified in many of the news reports. So that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. So the Observer, owned by Mr. Kushner himself, right, our Orthodox Jewish Donald Trump son-in-law, didn't ID him as Hussam al-Kulak, which the Free Beacon, whom I maligned last week, actually did identify him as. So why are they protecting the name? I, I just want to say that I am, I think uh, Harvard did a really great thing uh, by refusing to name Hussam el-Kulak. I think if they named Hussam el-Kulak as Hussam el-Kulak, then probably Hussam el-Kulak's constitutional rights, like going to work for a Jewish-owned law firm and making a lot of money, <laughs> would, would have been somehow compromised in, in jeopardy. So right. I really think it's great that Hussam el-Kulak remains anonymous and that none of us really know Hussam el-Kulak's <laughs> name as Hussam el-Kulak. Stephanie, this would you? This is just such a weird story, and I, I feel like Hussam if you're at Harvard Law School, <laughs> be smarter than that. Say something better than you're smelly. It just seems so juvenile. Some of the media reports. Yeah, here's right. the thing, and and this is really why this whole. Fu- What's I'm the sorry. thing, Lee? I'll tell us the thing. I will tell you the thing. <laughs> what the thing is, is the is that thing? You, you know, anti-Semitism. These people are really mentally ill. It's you. You have. A minister, an Israel, a former Israeli minister sitting there on stage, you have the opportunity to say whatever you want, whatever devastating critique, whatever factual analysis, whatever you want. And instead, what, what can you, what can you muster? It's like, eh, but eh, why are you so smelly? Uh, this really shows you the true face of, of this supposedly, I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm anti-Zionist It should be said he may not have that weird South Asian yeah, accent. No, of course he has that accent. He may be from Hackensack. Like, right. You know, Al Kulak right. And, from... and that's why his, uh, well, his, his, his level of discourse <laughs> is, uh, but why are you so smelly? Harvard Law School, if you graduate this clown, then I'm sorry, Legally Blonde is completely true. Legally Blonde, as far as I'm concerned, is now <laughs> a documentary because Hussam al-Kulak could get a degree. I'm sorry. Anyone could get a anyone degree. Get My a... dog could get a degree. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, speaking of idiots, how's, okay, watch this segue. Speaking of idiots, Broad City's season oh, finale. No. How no. dare you, sir? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I've become a, I've become a convert. I really, the show is growing on me. It's growing toward me. I'm not sure it's on me yet. Broad City season finale is aired on Comedy Central. This was brought to our attention by our own Leah Leibowitz, who referred to the two-part season finale as, quote, the Jewiest thing ever to Jew on television. So I stayed up very late last night. Fired up the Comedy Central app and watched these two episodes in which Abby and Alana take off for Israel on a birthmark trip. Get it? Not birthright, but birthmark. And the finale of the finale finds them on an L all with an O plane. Uh, no, it's Elol. 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 Like LOL. Oh, I totally missed that. Okay. <laughs> Filled with young Jews being encouraged by the trip leader to hook up. The trip leader, Jared, gets commissions for every couple that uh, that makes a shidduch on the on the trip. He is, of course, played by Seth Green. Oh, it's like, it amazing. The most marvelous. In the role of a lifetime. <laughs> little micro Jew in also, the history. Also, what about the fact that Adam Levine is, is... like the in-flight entertainment for like how to put your seatbelt <laughs> on? So did you get what that was? Around? Have you flown Virgin America and yeah. seen that? I love that. that they have this, yeah. the, the safety video is this incredible choreographed like mashup of rock and hip hop I kind of dance with that it's amazing yeah. it's amazing and I love the robot they... rap is like my favorite part <laughs> of that <laughs> and I have to say I mean this is a really funny show it, not in spite join of join being... us next week in your dad talking about <laughs> pop culture I mean here's the problem it's a little too reliant on on gross out humor which is, which I like I like gross out humor what I said is it's a little too reliant on it. So like, I don't need all of the menstruation jokes. I need one menstruation joke. I don't need but like offended? the idea of a you PETA tampon. By, Amazing. By... This episode is exactly what Broad City does best, which is sort of like to pick apart these cultural phenomenons. Like when they did, like they had a funny What's the bit... phenomenon? Menstruation? Birthright. Oh, birthright. Juice. Okay, juice. God, don't you got hung up on the menstruation part. Um, We've actually never seen sort of like a pop culture depiction of birthright at all. And it's something that's so ripe for parody. And like even just the, oh, you you sit in your seats based on match potential. And so Abby gets- Which is not really true, by the way. It's not really true, but, but like, it's, I mean- It's not I went or on, is it? <laughs> I mean, look, I went on a birthright trip through Tablet. We did a, a blogging bus. Wait, um, can we, we let's pause okay. for the 40% of our listeners who are Gentiles or the the Jews who don't know what this is. Birthright is a trip. Um, I thought you were going to explain what Broad City is. No, 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 no. I was like, Gen- Broad City is a TV show. Jews are the chosen people. Podcaster podcast. Birthright is a free trip that Jews up to the age of 26, I think. 27. Between 18 and 27 can get. Um, if you have never been to Israel on an educational tour, you can get a free trip. And then you go there and basically you travel around Israel for a while and receive sort of what I call propaganda light. It's not the worst Propaganda. It's not the most tendentious propaganda, but it's sort of Zionism light. And then at the end, there's a big party where my year anyway, philanthropist Edgar Bronfman made us all stand up and cheer. I'm proud to be a Jew, which was awkward. Yeah, no, it was. It is awkward. And, and you. it's one of these programs. It's one of the biggest, I think, philanthropy programs to, to ensure Jewish continuity, which if you read between the lines is very not subtly laid out there. It's like it's having Jewish babies. It's meeting Jewish people and having Jewish babies. So, you know, on the first night of our trip, we stood around in a circle. This was our icebreaker. And you went around and you, there was a bag of M&Ms. And you were either a red M&M, a yellow M&M, or a green M&M. Wait, I can't wait. What? Red means like I'm in a relationship. I'm not I'm not interested. Yellow means like, eh, maybe. And green is like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. So they did not beat around the burning bush. No. I have to say that these last two items, one about I mean, Just the, because we, you know, I'm proud to see that we're finally starting to make good use of the media we own right, and control. Right, Well, I was going to say, the, these last two News news of the Jews items, one is, you know, anti-Semitism among Harvard law students. With so Hussam depressing. Al-Kulak. With Hussam al-Kulak. So much anti-Semitism on campuses these days. And it really does worry me. And I'm not typically an alarmist 
person about these things, but it, I have been getting worried about it. And then the next item, like r- radical cultural confidence among Jews. Like we are so culturally confident sure, here's that deal. we do these you these, keep... these shows that make fun of us so ruthlessly, which is terrific, right. which I love. So here's the trade. They could keep universities, which are super stupid anyway. These and days. we get the media? And we just get to keep the media. You know, don't worry about anything else. You but can I... have the news media, which nobody watches anyway. Who cares about <laughs> CNN? I care about Broad City. If I have Broad City, you could take the New York Times and Harvard Law School. I'm happy with that. Quédense unos minutos con nosotros. Our guest Jew this week is literary agent, indeed my literary agent, Betsy Lerner, who's also an author, most recently of The Bridge Ladies, which is the story of her mother's bridge quartet in suburban Connecticut, who have been playing bridge together for, Betsy, how how many years have they been? Has some incarnation of them been? 54 years. What made you want to write a book about, I guess they're five, because occasionally someone's sick or getting you know hernia repaired or whatever. Like, Correct. What, what made you want to write a, a book about five elderly Jewish bridge ladies? I always thought it was a great topic, and I never wanted to do it. I thought someone else should do it, mostly because I didn't really like them very much, and I didn't get along with my mother, so not a good (laughs) setup. However, when I moved back home, when my husband got a job in New Haven, and my mother was sick, and I had to live with her for a week, every day a different lady showed up with a meal. And I was really moved by this. I thought, if I'm sick and I'm in my 80s, I might get a few texts with emojis, you know? So, <laughs> like sad smiley faces. Exactly, exactly. I'll bring so, you a meal when you're in your oh, 80s and sick. Someone would uh, seamless you, uh, Uber you a seamless order of soup or something. Yeah, I'll send over a meal. Yeah. I might not bring it, but... Exactly. So I just thought, you know, I've known them my whole life and I don't know them at all. And I wonder what it would be like to just interview them and sit in on the game And I'll just do that for a few weeks. And that became a few years and um, just an incredible odyssey getting to know them and mostly my mother. So it was organic. It happened, you know, eventually. It wasn't, I'm going to do this and I'll just jump right in. It took some time. I should say that I like your mother a lot. I mean, I have a really easy relationship with your mother. I've seen her in synagogue a few times. And uh, I was in stop. I think I've told you I was in stop and shop once. I didn't have my wallet. I saw your mother. She gave me a credit card. I ran, you know, yep, center. Yep. Like, I think your mother's fabulous. I don't understand why you have all these problems with her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why, why do you? Beth? I mean, really? Lean back. Well. Tell us about it. She's been totally nonjudgmental of me and supportive of my career. If I have an article out, she sees me downtown. She adores you, Mark. She yeah, adores like what's, you. What's, what's not what's, to like about your mother? What's my problem? Yeah. Well, it goes back. I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, nine therapists, thousands of dollars on the couch. Um, no, we just didn't. I pushed all her buttons and she pushed all mine since I was very young. Well, she installed all of yours. To be <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Um, I really got along. I, I adored my father and I completely bonded with my father and my older sister bonded with my mother. And we just uh, had a sort of a house divided, I would I would say. And um, I think really what happened is when I became a teenager, I became very depressed and my mother just honestly couldn't cope with it. And 
it became extremely difficult. Um, we just, she wanted me to be normal and happy and okay, and I just couldn't snap out of it. And I didn't want to lead her kind of life. I didn't know how to lead the kind of life I wanted and just caused for a lot of unhappiness. And my mother is amazing, but she is also, um, she really wants things done her way. And uh, it, it's 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 taken me a, a lot of growing up and maturity to realize that I can go along with that now, um, with at not at too great a cost, the way you do when you're in your teens and twenties, and it feels really. Well, I don't want to turn this chair into a couch. So. I think it is one already. Oh, we're, we're loving this. <laughs> so you went and learned to play bridge. That's the other part of this book, and that. I have to say, I feel like you don't really enjoy bridge that much. Oh, Mark, I adore bridge. Do you really? Oh, yeah. I play on my, my phone all the time. I guess what I was saying is I can't imagine anyone enjoying bridge that much. Yeah, no. <laughs> I no, can't, no, no. Have you not read this book about these ladies? I've yeah. read the book yeah. every week. I read it months ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm also, I'm very math challenged. I'm very memory challenged. And I love this game. And I think... Th- People have completely forgotten it and need need it in their lives. Yeah, the lives kids are again. not playing bridge at all. Well, there are some. There's there a renaissance. Some. There's there, a bridge renaissance. I wouldn't go so far. It's like, it's like the Irish language renaissance. <laughs> exactly. Watch out there. <laughs> I got in trouble with that one. <laughs> but I was at a national tournament in Reno last month, and there was a teenage contingency, and those kids were amaze balls. I love this book. Um, my mother is a bronze life master. My grandmother is a silver life master. Um, so I come from basically a bridge dynasty. Well, You're so from- there's gold and then there's nothing above gold. Platinum. There's I think platinum. there's Black card. a lot up. I always want to say Grandmaster, I but I think that's... <laughs> that's chess. That's oh, that's chess? Or, or I also or, thought or that's rap. the clan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love the story about how sort of, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but in the end, you basically play bridge with your mother. And I think that is one of the most stressful experiences. I, I don't play bridge. I feel like I'm very intimidated by it. But I, my mother plays bridge with my grandmother a lot. And I know that that's like... That's sort of like where every, your whole relationship plays out. And it's so stressful because if you make one mistake, you, you mess course. up the pair. So I just love that final scene. Yeah, thank you. No, playing with my mother is the greatest thing ever. We played yesterday. I, I filled in for the bridge ladies. and You've been accepted? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm their regular fill-in. And they needed me yesterday. And I sat down across from my mother, which I didn't have to do, but I just thought I want I wanted to. And so it is the end of it's a great it is a great story. I mean, I want to play with her. We have something in common now. I really can't think of anything more stressful. It's like you fucked up that hand, just like you <laughs> fucked up your teenage years. It's like, oh my god. She does criticize my bidding. She does. Even when we make the hand, she criticizes my bidding. It's unbelievable. Did you come to any conclusions about their generation because one of the one of the themes of the book is you know that they there was this kind of sustained reliability like they were always there for each other uh you know they would have go to the athenian diner for their meals and they would play their bridge and and yet it's not clear that they know each other all that well and i, I guess i wonder do you feel like you and your friend i mean you and your friends open books, right? I mean, you've written books that are in fact open books, like intimacy and oversharing, and they have this sense of decorum and restraint. And did you ultimately end up feeling that that they had something you wished you had? Or are you glad that we live in the, the tell-all era that you helped create? I am so relieved I don't live in their era. I think that they missed out on so much 
Um, they could have been so much closer. They were closer when they were young, um, and time has and age has blunted some of their relationships. But I think a lot of suffering happens when people can't open up and um, be real with each other. I, I think their decorum only goes so far. And my sense was you expected that they knew each other better than they did, right? Yes, and, it, and and after about four or five months of interviewing, it became clear that I knew things about their lives that they didn't know about each other. And they also told me off-the-record things that still, you know, deeply surprised me, and I realized they needed to s- tell somebody some of these took things. took 54 years it for somebody's them, daughter to walk in. Be oh, like, hey, yeah. yeah. It took somebody to, you know, to keep asking and keep asking, but... I I didn't make them tell me the off the record things. They needed to say them, and it was. Very, I mean, I feel very. Um, I'm in a way honored to be the <laughs> the receptacle of their of some of their their uh, secret feelings. What they, did you learn anything throughout throughout this the research and the writing that, that that really you know floored you that you really didn't expect either about your mother, her friends, yourself. Well, I found out about myself that I actually really wanted to love my mother and to be loved by her. I mean, I had put up such a wall. I didn't, I didn't really ad- ever admit that, even after so much therapy. And um, early on, my sisters were saying, oh, she's writing a book about herself and mom. And I'm like, no, I'm writing about the bridge ladies. <laughs> um, so that was that. And I mean, uh, really learning things about my mother that I either knew very partially or not at all that she opened up to me about um, also, I think, enabled me to, you know, change how I felt about her because she was finally real with me. When I was a teenager, I would say, just be real, just be real. I felt she was hiding so much behind that decorum, you know, that you mentioned and protocol. Oh, everything was protocol. (laughs) All right. Well, who bought the film rights? Oh, that's not, that's happening, man. Is it really? Who's playing? So, w- w- final question: Who's playing whom, and who should be playing whom? Okay, I can't say anything except that my mother wants Bette Midler to play her, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> Has anyone been cast? No, it ha- it's it's on it's it's in Would you like it's to in play. play. You? Yeah, who it's should play, play you? Who should play Betsy Lerner? Don't really know. Can't can't go there. Who's playing me in the film version of your book, Betsy? Can it be Daniel Radcliffe? Absolutely. Okay, there we go. Absolutely. Betsy Lerner, author of The Bridge Ladies, thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. I turned 21 in prison, doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried. Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better. But her pleading I denied, that leaves only me to blame, because Mama tried. I want to talk about our sponsor. You know, I'm a simple guy. On my head, I use Johnson's baby shampoo. On my feet, I wear simple crew socks that I buy at TJ Maxx or that my mother sometimes buys for me. For my milk, 2% from a cow, none of this goat stuff, no coconut or soy. And for my smooth, smooth face, I rely on Harry's razor. Seriously. Uh, I was so tired of waiting for the plexiglass case to be opened to buy my Gillette's refills. I was tired of paying something like $3 per cartridge. So I found Harry's. Better prices, easier because delivered straight to you, better engineering. The Harry's starter set called the Truman is a great option for new customers. It's an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors, plus a special offer for fans of Unorthodox. 
Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code UNORTHODOX. You go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. You know how to spell it. Just make sure there are no apostrophes in there. And then at checkout, use the code UNORTHODOX. Let them know who sent you and get going with a smoother and more affordable and better engineered smooth face. Issue two of the tablet print magazine is out and issue three is coming soon, right, Stephanie? Yes, issue three will be out in time for Shavuos and uh, and a May. (laughs) Everyone needs a new Shavuos subscription. Yeah. Uh, So if people want to subscribe, they should text tablet to 66866. That was actually said at my Seder, by the way. Everyone right now. (laughs) Our guest Gentile this week is Nia Malika Henderson, a political reporter for CNN. She's also been at the Washington Post and Politico and lots of places. Most importantly, her Twitter handle says that she is a Duke alumna and a cat fancier. So basically, Stephanie Butnick, she is your spirit sister. Yes, I have to say that I, too... I'm a Duke alumna and a cat fancier. I'm probably like oh, a this, step beyond. Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I might have to take cat, cat fancier off of my Twitter handle because I actually had to give my cat away um, because Ooh. my girlfriend, I know, I know, is allergic to cats. Or so she says. I mean, this is, I don't have any real proof of it. Um, so I had to give my cat to my mom. Wait a second. So you chose you chose your girlfriend over your cat? <laughs> I don't think yeah. Stephanie would have made that choice. Yeah. Yeah, this is terrible, I know. All right, so we we have one big question for you, and then I know you have some questions for this internationally known panel of expert Jews that you have before us. I mean, our, our question for you, I think, is, um, you know, you're on the campaign trail, right? You're a political journalist. Who are you going to vote for? Who am I going to vote yeah, for? Yeah, who are you going to vote for? Yeah, I don't vote. I actually do not vote. You don't? Okay, but what I, if, but I say, who, do yeah. you, who are you rooting for? You know, I, I always say this. I'm just rooting for a good match. I used to date a sports reporter, and I would always ask him the same thing when he would go out to cover a game. Who does he want to win? Oh, and he'd always say, wait, you mean if it's Trump versus Hillary, game. you're just rooting for a good match? You're, you're, you're just, indifferent to the outcome? I am pretty indifferent to the outcome. Okay, what about, let's try, let's pretend we believe you and, and ask you the following <laughs> question. Uh, what's the most messed up thing you've seen in the campaign trail? The most messed up thing? I mean, I think... I mean, you know, I think you have to go to some of the things that Trump has said. I mean, I saw the kind of retweet of, of the unflattering photo of Heidi Cruz was really just low and, and terrible. And, you know, I think some of the things he said about uh, temporarily banning Muslims, just illegal things he but said. But nothing, nothing behind the scenes? Because this strikes me like, you know, like a rock tour for, like, uglier people. Like, you've seen nothing on, like, the bus or the campaign plane. And you're, like, looking at someone, you know, off camera after hours, be like, oh, my God, these are the people who want to lead this country. You know, I will say no, because I, you know, I'm from the South, so a lot of, you know, Trump's backers are really familiar to me. I kind of went to high school <laughs> uh, with, with blue-collar uh, white people in the South, and so it's not really that surprising to me that they are finding uh, in, in Trump a, a kind of spirit animal and somebody who's uh, speaking to their anger. So it isn't, it's not that surprising. I love the idea of Trump as a spirit animal of the white working class. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so you, you, Nia, have two questions for, for us. And we, you know, as you know, we've been certified by several rabbinic panels as being representative of the entire Jewish people. So what do you, what do you got for us? What can we tell you? I'm in the right place. So tell me, who is the most revered, awesome black Jew who everyone just holds in high esteem? Ike Turner. He was Jewish? He converted in 1994, and he never did anything bad in his life, so we love him. Okay, so I didn't know that. I le- we even learned something on our panel here, because I didn't know that about Ike Turner. Well, I learned it from our own Manishtana. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who is one of the most revered black Jews? Who by is way. probably the most revered black. Okay, Stephanie, did you have an answer to this? Look, everyone knows what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is low hanging fruit. Go ahead. It's Drake. I'm going to say Drake because I think it's, I think I want to shed light on the fact that, like, we actually, the idea of, like, we're holding up Drake as, like, oh, look, he's this black Jew when actually there are so many others. It's so right. ridiculous. So that's why you're doing it. Yeah, so I'm just shedding. I'm just, okay, you're just, you know. so I actually, I thought I would go a little more highbrow. I think Walter Mosley. The novelist is is an amazing, uh, talented black Jew. And also, just going a little bit old school, Julius Lester, the great memoirist and scholar uh, who who is a convert. Walter Mosley is, in fact, a natal Jew. We don't we don't draw such distinctions. We don't ask who's a Jew by choice and who's a Jew. But they are both amazingly talented black Jews. So that that would be. And nobody's going with Sammy Davis at this point. Is that just too? Who's Sammy Davis? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I don't know. There are the kids list. I, I didn't. Let's be frank. Was Sammy Davis that impressive even in his day? Oh was yes. He, uh, no, absolutely. I, Come on, Sammy was an amazing I, entertainer. Triple threat? I mean, no, maybe not. I guess. Uh, if, I mean, if you're, yeah, it was a triple Las Vegas lounge act threat, and we're going to get such mail from old Jewish ladies who loved <laughs> Sammy Davis. All right, so, so we've true. solved that one for you. And what was your second question? So my second question, I'm sure you guys remember uh, Dave Chappelle, the whole idea of a racial, uh, racial draft, uh, racial and ethnic and religious draft. Uh, and in the show, uh, the trade that, that blacks made was for Tiger Woods, right? You can sort of settle, is somebody black or is somebody, uh, of course, Tiger Woods is half black and half Asian, uh, and blacks wanted to completely... Right, this is the great Woods. skit. I don't think... This is the yeah, great skit where different ethnic groups could yeah. trade people they yeah. didn't want for better people from exactly. other races, well, right? Well, mixed race. Exactly. Right. So I wonder who would you who would you trade and who would you want in return if you were trading a Jew and wanting a, a, somebody else from a different group. So I thought about this a lot. I think this is an amazing question. Here's the deal. Uh, how about how about you could have uh, Drake? Sorry, Stephanie. Whoa. Uh, and and okay, the, okay. and and the Kravitzes. Uh, the Bob too. Zoe. Zoe. And, what about and, the, what about Roxy Roker and from the Jeffersons? And the mom. And anyone uh, of those. <laughs> I want I want one person uh, in in return uh, who, who is who is fully uh, Jewish uh, and and one of the one of the most badass people around. This is uh, the tragically underestimated Yefet Kodo, uh, oh, who from the James who, Bond movie, who's yeah. fam- from the James Bond movie from Alien. He was Parker. He's one of the last three people standing on the Nostromo. Also, no no spoilers. He was, he was also in Live and Let Die. Now. He was in Live and Let Die. Yes, he was. Right. Uh, he, his family were original Israelites. Uh, his parents, uh, his family then migrated to Cameroon, where his father was a Jewish crown prince of Cameroon. <laughs> Uh, and he is still one of the greatest so American we have him actors. Already. No, no, but but we need him completely. Completely, the yeah. blacks have to just give him to exactly, yeah. and right. they can have Drake. All right, so I want to. I I'm looking at this as a golden opportunity to give up Sheldon Adelson. He's yours now. You you take him. Um, we, we, we can get Sheldon. Adelson. You can have all of his money. You can I have, mean, come on. You yeah. can have his casino. They already have an Al Sharpton. They don't need to. Sheldon and Al could go to the hairdresser together, and that's who you could have. In return, yeah. in return, I'm gonna I'm gonna go kind of subtle here. I want young underappreciated memoirist Thomas Chatterton Williams, whose book, I think, and whose writing and whose reviews make him one of our preeminent up-and-coming uh, intellectuals. And I think um, I think he needs, he needs more... The only thing missing from his work is a kind of Jewish soul. And we'll give that yeah. to him. So, and, and, you, and what I, you're missing yeah. from your community is more billions of dollars. And so you can have yeah. Sheldon. I think we would, we would gladly uh, give up Ben Carson. 
Um, I don't know if everybody would want him. Uh, it, I'll take him. A bit of a reversal because he's so revered among African-Americans. And I personally would want, I would want, you guys would never give up Barbara Streisand, but I would want Barbara Streisand or Jerry Seinfeld. You yeah, we're what? not giving them up. You know what? I, I'm, if, if, if it's the two of us, Nia, you could have them yeah. both. You could have them both okay. for Yefit Kota. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, what if, what if, do you want Barbara, but would you give us Aretha? Ooh. Oh, wow. That is tough. What a right. good, good deal that would be. Nia, yeah. you think yeah, on that, that one, be, and when, when yeah. you come back you after the election, people, you talk we'll to your people. You talk to our people. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Yeah. Talk to your people. We'll talk to ours, and after the election, we'll have you back. We'll and we'll make we'll we'll, we'll settle on a trade. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks, thanks for thank thanks you. I have a really good Mazel Tov this week. A Mazel Tov to my brother Daniel and his wife Jessica, proud new parents of Gideon Ezra Grogan, who was born a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he joins big brother Asa and big sister Jolie. They are uh, the the branch of uh, Oppenheimer South down in Texas. And uh, so excited. I can't wait to meet my new nephew. Stephanie? My Mazel Tov is for Gabriella Gazelowitz, who has recently taken the reins at Juicy.com, which is a tablet's partner site. She's doing some really great stuff. She's doing a pop culture Omer um, which blows my mind, and you should see it and ch- follow them on Twitter at Juicy Mag. How do you spell Juicy? J E W C Y. dot com. dot com. Because we are we are a punning people. Yes, we are punning people. Liel, my Mazel Tov is for Israeli film director Udi Aloni, who won a big prize at the Tribeca Film Festival this week for a very virulently anti-Israeli film, financed by the Israeli government and produced by Israeli companies, and in his speech, of course, he went on stage and called Israel a fascist state. So, Udinka, Mazel Tov for this great win, and I'm, I'm really sincerely thrilled for you that you get to be a citizen of a liberal, democratic country that lets you make critical films like this one that I will never see. If you have thoughts, comments, praise, or questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Be warned, we like to read mail on the air. We may not be here next week. Julie is taking the week off to go celebrate her dad's retirement. Steve Subrin of Northeastern University Law School is finally retiring after 85 years uh, teaching there. And uh, for his 110th birthday and his retirement, uh, Julie is going to fet him with a leavened cake. So major congratulations. We've said it before, but, but now that it's party time, we'll say it again to Steve Subrin. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine. It's on the web at tabletmag.com. It's edited by aforementioned Julie Subrin and produced by Sarah Ivry and Alyssa Goldstein. Rabbinic supervision this week by John Kasich, who of course is a very John Kasich, who is a very learned. He's down in Brooklyn, really studying up on his on his Talmud. And kosher slaughtering by that anti-Semite at Harvard Law School. What's his name again, Liel? Hussam Al Kulak. Hussam Al Kulak. Our website is tabletmag.com. Our music is by Golem. And to get our newsletter, just shoot an email to us and ask for it. Shalom, friends.